This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Uber. Introducing Uber Teen Accounts, an Uber account for your teen with trackable trips and highly rated drivers. Your teen can feel a sense of independence and you, as the parent, can follow their ride on a live tracking map. Yeah, when your teen requests a trip, they're matched with highly rated, experienced drivers and you receive real-time notifications. And, you know, I've actually been using Uber Teen lately to help my teen uh, get to and from various events. The other week, I used it to get them and their friend uh, to and from a concert in Atlanta. And today, they're actually going to use it to get home from a football game. It makes them feel safe, and it lets me know that they're safe. I absolutely love it. And today, you can get 40% off. That's up to $15 off three Uber teen rides. Valid for the first 30 days for new users in select markets. See app for details. Add your teen to your account today. Available in select locations. See app for details. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Ooh, special announcement this week, folks. Uh, we are taking a little holiday and we are going to mm-hmm, we're going to celebrate mm-hmm, we're going to do a little classic episode here we just had such a good time with this if one. we took a holiday uh yeah but, uh, we hold something some boulangerie yeah this episode's about french bread ridiculous history is a production of iHeartRadio. Bonjour, welcome to the show. My name is Ben, and I just might be addicted to carbs. Je m'appelle Noel, and I've been trying to go a little lighter on the carbs lately, but I am a big fan of uh, a good baguette. Yes, agreed. And here in the U.S., we have a little bit more leeway with the definition of what a baguette is. And despite how important carbs might be to Noel, to myself, and to our super producer, Casey Pegram— in France, it turns out, they're much more important, crucial. Big time. That's why for two centuries, there was a law on the books in Paris that basically established a uh, continuous, free-flowing access to bread. And this was most important during the summer months when a lot of Parisians 
take vacations um and it's a big deal the you know paris can feel like a ghost town during july and august and this law was established because the last time that france ran out of bread well you know the, the, there there was there were riots in the streets and uh people got decapitated and hanged Yes, there were reigns of terrors that were uh, related, in a way, to bread. And for anyone who's interested in the role that food can play in social revolution, we promise you, it's a real thing. You're not crazy. Butter had a role to play in an earlier episode. It's true. And bread's always been a pretty important staple of the French diet. In fact, according to the Smithsonian, uh, the average worker during the 18th century spent half Half, that is half of their wages on bread because not only was it delicious and, uh, you know, something you could put a nice piece of brie on. I mean, it was how they got their sustenance more than anything else. Right. It's true. You know, we have to consider in ages past, people didn't often have the same uh, concept uh, toward food or toward nutrition uh, that you would find to be more common today. For example, a lot of times today, people eat for pleasure rather than mandatory survival. And if bread wasn't available for a lot of people, it could mean that they might starve. This was so important that in Napoleonic times, police were even in charge of grain inspection and quality control, sort of an FDA, but oriented entirely toward bread. And when there was a wheat shortage, things went crazy very quickly. Yeah, it's true. Like, you know, how in the United States, we refer to the president as the commander in chief because he's in charge of the military for all intents and purposes. Well, in France during this time, the king was referred to as boulanger du royaume or prime baker of the kingdom. That was kind of a, a pretty pretty serious job. And in fact, there were these Napoleonic codes that were established for everything from how to proof the dough to make the bread to the ratio of the uh, ingredients. Uh, this was all very, very, very important. And it not only was important because of it, its place as a staple food, but it was a cultural thing as well. And they took their bread making very, very seriously. Yes, absolutely. Uh, it is not an exaggeration to say that all hell broke loose if something went wrong with the bread supply. In 1775, there was a wheat shortage and grain prices skyrocketed. And to make things more complicated, the new king at the time, Louis XVI, decided to allow a free market of grain within the country. And this led to speculation. Flour merchants who were already kind of a uh, distrusted segment of society, along with bakers, held back grain supplies. Yeah, I read somewhere that certain flour merchants to um, kind of control prices would cut their flour with everything from like chalk to even bone meal. Yeah, and sawdust as well, right? And this sounds maybe on the offset a bit silly, right? Maybe it sounds like too much of a nanny state to have laws controlling bread, but it is incredibly important. There hadn't been a famine in France for decades before this occurred, but all of a sudden, the poorest people in the country were unable to buy flour for bread, and they rioted. Yeah, and this, what was referred to as the flour war, is considered by most historians as being the precursor to the French Revolution that took place 14 years later. 
Um, and actually, you know what? I think now would be a good time to uh, introduce a new segment we've been kicking around. You see, our, our super producer, Casey Pegram, is also our resident Francophile. Um, and so we are going to uh, have a segment with Casey that I would affectionately like to refer to as Casey on the Case. Or thus spake Casey. We're still kicking it around. It's true. Casey Pegram, welcome to the show, my friend. Hello. Thanks, guys. So, Casey, we, we sort of buried the lead just a touch in this story. Um, we talked a little bit about how these days during the summer months, uh, Paris kind of clears out a little bit. And you go to Paris about mm-hmm. once a year. Would you say that's pretty accurate? Oh, yeah. They call it uh, Les Grandes Vacances, the big vacation. And, yeah, Paris in July and August gets extremely hot. Many, many places are not air-conditioned, climatisé. Um, and that's actually a point of— uh, Advertisement, if like a movie theater has air conditioning, they will put that like sal climatisé and it's sort of like even if you don't care what the movie is, just go in there and chill out for a couple hours. So yeah, Paris basically empties out and just becomes like the domain of tourists for a couple months. And when we were researching this episode off air, uh, we really wanted to uh, lean on your abilities as a francophone to tell us a little bit about the the laws that we're kicking around, uh, that it is true, right? Uh, Noel and I haven't been just making stuff up for the past few minutes. No, it's it's real. So you guys had talked about the flower war, correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the precursor to this event that happens in October of 1789, where this poor, poor baker, Denis Francois, who was confronted by an angry mob that basically thought he was hoarding bread, um, possibly just to drive the price up or potentially to keep it on reserve for royalty and military people, things like that. This was a big deal, especially consider what had happened during the Flower War, yes. where they thought the king was hoarding the flower so that the people who relied on it for their daily sustenance could not get what they needed to make their daily bread. Right. So this is kind of just a continuation of those uh, those tensions and as we see, uh, an angry crowd confronted this baker at his bakery, um, demanded that he come out, brought him to what was then called a Place de Greve, which today in modern times is known as l'Hôtel de Ville. Uh, it's the city hall, essentially. If you've ever been to Paris, you've probably walked by this place. Uh, it's kind of a landmark. It's very central. It's right by the Seine, and it's a cool building. But they brought him to this public square, basically summarily executed him. They hung him. And they decapitated him, and they paraded his head on a pike around town. They brought it to other bakers to kind of intimidate them. Wow. Apparently, they waited on a scale at one point at one of the bakeries. Jeez, man. And uh, and, Like a baker's scale. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Wow. Why the baker, though? That seems like such misplaced anger. I mean, isn't he just trying to, like, feed his family? Was he considered part of the aristocracy? Was he looked at as being an enemy of of the people, of peasants? Well, he would have been, you know, relatively middle class and controlling access to a resource that everyone needs. What's interesting to me, too, is that we don't have any solid proof— or whether he was actually doing something wrong. Most of what I read said that, in retrospect, this was a totally innocent guy that just got caught up in, like, an angry mob that was looking for somebody to blame for the problems that were going on. So what happened next? Well, so after this guy was killed, the National Assembly meets, and they basically decide that they're going to declare martial law and that they are going to 
uh, ban all public gatherings, any kind of public protests. There will be a red flag that signals the presence of martial law. Mm. So you'd be given three chances to disperse. You could take from your group, you could select six people um, to kind of represent your grievances and whatever solution you're kind of uh, angling for. Everybody else is supposed to disperse peacefully. There'll be a second warning and a third warning. If after that third warning, you're still there, you're still protesting, whatever, they are authorized to use armed force against you and basically kill an entire crowd if they if they decide to stick around. So this is in the thick of the, the French Revolution, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, this is like— This is coming a couple weeks after the March on Versailles, yes. which is what brought the king back to Paris and kind of returned rule of the country to Paris where it had been displaced to Versailles. Let them eat cake. Right. Right. So yeah. that was—even even that catchphrase is tied to this whole idea of bread being such a crucial component of everyday life and the fact that Marie Antoinette was so clueless and insulated that she would just say, oh, it's fine. Just, just, they can eat cake, right? Because they have that, surely, right? Isn't that the joke, kind of? It's that, a little, little bit out of touch. Yeah, yeah, yeah very and, much. Yeah. And there's a, there's an interesting tale within that, uh, within that, too, about the folklore versus the fact of that. But you're absolutely right that it was allegedly, or according to the legend, in response to them saying, you know, the people have no bread. No, but I saw it in a in a film. So it, <laughs> okay. it, it was a Sofia Coppola film. Uh, so it def, that's definitely exactly how it went down. Is she film. the one who did Dracula? No, she was. Uh, she was dad. in um, Godfather Three. <laughs> okay, right. Uh, remember on the stairs. Yeah, she, yeah, No, no spoilers. Right, Not right. Godfather Three. Godfathers take Manhattan. Right. That's the one. <laughs> but no, this is really interesting because then this is ultimately. Correct me if I'm wrong, Casey, because you are in fact on the case. Um, this is what led to this decree in 1790 from Louis the Sixteenth that put this system in place. Because okay, so they weathered the the grain shortage. They got mm-hmm. through that, but now it was like. What happens if, uh, if the bakeries close? If everybody takes the grand vacation at the same time. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Uber Teen. Introducing Uber Teen Accounts, an Uber account for your teen with trackable trips and highly rated drivers. This is important stuff. Your teen can feel a sense of independence and you can follow their entire ride on that live tracking map. And, you know, I've actually been using Uber Teen lately to help my teen uh, get to and from various events. The other week, I used it to get them and their friend uh, to and from a concert in Atlanta. And today they're actually going to use it to get home from a football game. I watch every step of the way uh, from the moment the car is called to when they get in and then I can track their progress to and from their destination. It makes them feel safe and it lets me know that they're safe. I absolutely love it. Mm-hmm. And here's how it works. When your team requests a trip, they are matched with highly rated experienced drivers and you receive those real-time notifications as well as enhanced safety features. That's right. Pin verification, in fact, to ensure that your teen enters the right vehicle. Live trip tracking for parents. Plus, you, the parent, can contact the driver directly from the app. And don't delay. Today, you can get 40% off the that's up to $15 off three Uber Teen rides. Valid for the first 30 days for new users in select markets. See app for details. Add your teen to your account today. Available in select locations. See app for details. Sometimes to get what you want, you have to challenge the status quo and blaze your own trail. We're nothing if not trailblazers here at Ridiculous History. And you know also is a huge uh, iconoclastic challenger of the status quo, Ben? Who is that, Noel? Well, I think you know. 
It's Harry's. Yes, it's Harry's. They saw customers getting ripped off by all kinds of like slipshod, questionable products in the shaving industry. And they said, hey, you got to be the change. I was excited to try out the Winston set. It's an all-in-one package. You get some shaving cream. You get that great razor we're talking about. They also have deodorant. Yeah, I was about to say. Very helpful. I do really enjoy uh, their line of self-care products. Um, Richly lathering, skin-softening body washes and scents like redwood, wild lens, and stone. You want to know what a stone smells like? I've often wondered. Only you know you can. <laughs> so don't settle for the status quo, folks. Blaze your own trail with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash history. Once again, that's harrys.com slash history for a $3 trial set. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's this. There's always a catch. So when we heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are just $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, we thought, what's the catch? So we dug in, and after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't a catch. Can you believe that? Mint Mobile's got a secret sauce, babies, and it is that they sell wireless service online, and by doing so, cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet, sweet, delicious savings directly onto you. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. That's mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. You did say, though, that that didn't really become a cultural thing until a little bit more into the 21st century, the, the idea of that particular time for vacation, but even still. Right. So the uh, 1789 or 1790 ruling has to do with basically empowering authorities to make sure that bread stays in regular supply so that people don't have a reason to riot. Mm-hmm. When it gets to into the 20th century and you start getting things like guaranteed vacation time for workers, and this kind of culminates in the cultural tradition of the Grand Vacances, where people take as much as like six weeks off consecutive during the summer. Everybody leaves Paris and goes to like the coast of France. Mm-hmm. Then it became an issue because if everybody left at the same time, if everybody decides to take off July, you're probably not going to be able to get like a decent baguette in Paris for that month. And that's... You know, they view that as a pretty serious problem. So what happens to the consumers? What, whatever will we do? Right, exactly. So it was then decided that these boulangers, bakers, would have to coordinate with their local authorities when they wanted to take time off. And, you know, it would have to coordinate from all the other bakeries in the area such that you'd never found like a neighborhood that just didn't have a bakery open. So someone have to go in July, someone have to go in August. And it was half and half, correct? Right. And it, it almost became like the, these two groups almost identified like I'm a Julian, I'm an Augustian. It's very strange. So this wouldn't be um, uh, on the case with Casey if we didn't hear a little uh, sample of your dulcet French tones. So could you give us a little reading from this, uh, this ordinance, Casey? So sure. This is article number six of the law of October 21st, 1789, against gatherings or martial law, in other words. 
So here we go. The three warnings. Can we get a little poetry music in the background. <laughs> Some kind of dramatic accompaniment. Faut parler personne à tout pays de se retirer en ce moment. Il leur sera fait à Ottawa par les officiers municipaux ou l'un d'eux trois sommations de se retirer tranquillement dans le domicile. So they will be warned in a high voice by the municipal officers or one among them. Three warnings to return peacefully into your home. Trois sommations de se retirer tranquillement dans leur domicile. Three warnings to return peacefully to your home. La première sommation sera exprimée en ces termes. The first warning will be expressed in these terms. Avis est donné que la loi martiale est proclamée, que tous attroupements sont criminels. So, notice will be given that martial law has been proclaimed, that all gatherings are criminal. On va faire feu. We're going to shoot. Que les bons citoyens se retirent. Good citizens, go home. À la deuxième et troisième sommation, so on the second and third warning, il suffira de répéter ces mots, on va faire feu, que les bons citoyens se retirent. So on the second and third warnings, they're going to skip the preamble and just say, we're going to shoot, good citizens, go home. L'officier municipal énoncera que c'est ou la première ou la seconde ou la dernière. So the municipal officer will announce whether it's the first, second, or third warning. And if you're not out by the third warning, all bets are off, you're probably going to get shot. Beautiful. I mean, terrifying, but yeah. beautiful performance, yeah. Casey. And this has been On the Case with Casey. You know what? I am a big fan of that segment, Noel. Don't you think that added some context? It added some real umami to this episode, I think. And there's more to the story because, you see, it turns out this law isn't just something that happened and then disappeared. It has been, uh, as we said at the top of the show, on the books for centuries and it's been periodically revised, rewritten, reworked, as Casey mentioned, with uh, the emergence of workers' rights. Totally. And because, you know, you don't really see a whole lot of huge, large-scale famines happening in Europe these days. Uh, so it, it was relaxed uh, in 1995, and we mentioned this briefly during Casey on the Case, but half of the bakeries in Paris were able to shut down during the month of July, as long as the other half stayed Open And then bakers were actually required to post notices mm -hmm. in their windows of where uh, a customer could could get a, a croissant or a baguette uh, within walking distance because it was all about this community neighborhood vibe. You know, it was it was you had to be able to walk there. It, it was very much part of day to day. You could not be expected to, you know, hop a taxi to another part of town. My word, the very idea, the very idea. This is a really cool detail to me because I like it. It seems humanizing. It's not enough just to tell the authorities, hey, I'm going to be gone in July. You got to support your people too. Totally. And it feels like it, we've gotten away from it being, uh, there being concern over riots and it being much more um, about maintaining that fresh baked bread culture that has sustained in France throughout the generations. And uh, you will hopefully be as thankful as we are to note that the consequences for this are no longer, you know, life-threatening. Absolutely not. In fact, even when they were still on the books, you if you didn't get permission, you decided to do what you wanted, um, you could get a fine, um, which was a minimum of, I believe, 11 euros a day, mm -hmm. um, which is around 13 American dollars back in, I think, 2005, or about $20 um, in, in 2017 bucks. 
This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Uber Teen. Introducing Uber Teen Accounts, an Uber account for your teen with trackable trips and highly rated drivers. This is important stuff. Your teen can feel a sense of independence and you can follow their entire ride on that live tracking map. And, you know, I've actually been using Uber Teen lately to help my teen uh, get to and from various events. The other week, I used it to get them and their friend uh, to and from a concert in Atlanta. And today they're actually going to use it to get home from a football game. I watch every step of the way uh, from the moment the car's called to when they get in and then I can track their progress to and from their destination. It makes them feel safe and it lets me know that they're safe. I absolutely love it. Mm -hmm. And here's how it works. When your team requests a trip, they are matched with highly rated experienced drivers and you receive those real-time notifications as well as enhanced safety features. That's right. Pin verification, in fact, to ensure that your team enters the right vehicle. Live trip tracking for parents. Plus, you, the parent, can contact the driver directly from the app. And don't delay. Today, you can get 40% off. That's up to $15 off three Uber Teen rides. Valid for the first 30 days for new users in select markets. See app for details. Add your teen to your account today. Available in select locations. See app for details. You're listening to this podcast, so I know you care about history and what a period we're living through right now. Specifically, when it comes to the situation in Israel and Gaza. Right now, you're hearing a lot of loud voices screaming about genocide, massacre, and occupation. But these words, slogans, and various headlines are not enough to help you understand what is happening over there. And that's where this podcast comes in. Check out Unpacking Israeli History. Catch up on previous seasons and enjoy new episodes from Season 6 each week, where they cover many of the topics that are relevant to what's going on in Israel today. From the history of infamous terror groups like Hamas and Hezbollah, to the story of Nakba, to Israel's disengagement from Gaza in 2005, there's so much to uncover. Unpacking Israeli history cuts through the noise and helps you understand Israel's present through understanding Israel's history. So educate yourself. Learn the history behind the headlines. Find Unpacking Israeli History wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And the story continued. In 2015, the French government eased some of the remaining restrictions on Baker's holidays as part of a, a larger effort to streamline their notoriously sluggish bureaucracy. I mean, can you imagine having a law on the books for 200 years? Can you imagine what other weird little esoteric <laughs> legal nuggets remained on the books? Mm. Probably stuff about spitting in public. I don't know. Beret quotas. I would imagine. I hope I don't get in trouble for that one. But it, it's true. When this relaxation occurred in 2015, a lot of local Parisians feared there would be a baguette crisis. Mm. And to some degree, they did experience one because the government no longer coordinated Baker holidays for the industry. Bakers had a tough time knowing when they should leave. The ones that stayed open ran out of bread quickly, and some were worried that their quality was suffering because there was 
such an increase in demand. Yeah, because literally for the first time since the revolution, bakers could go on vacation whenever they wanted. Like normies, which is the baker word for us. Exactly. So yeah, I saw an article in the Daily Mail um, with some great quotes of kind of like the scoop of how this is playing out today in the streets of Paris. There's a quote from Lynn Siegel, who is a Parisian resident um, that goes as such. I went out to get a baguette a few days ago and the two closest boulangeries to me were both closed for the first time ever. Then the next day, a woman on the street stopped me asking where the closest open one was. Only the bad ones stayed open. Only the bad ones. The bad ones. And this, we we should paint a picture of why this is so important. Uh, Even now, for something to be called traditional homemade bread, only four ingredients legally can be used, flour, water, salt, and yeast. 70% of bread is still produced in boulangeries, those, those local bakeries rather than industrial warehouse factories, you know. Uh, while worries of a bread shortage have, you know, fallen a little bit in the years since the regulations loosened, there are new worries on the horizon. It appears people are eating Fewer and fewer baguettes. Yeah, it's true. Um, Per capita, consumption of baguettes has fallen by more than 80% since 1900. Um, And at that time, the average person in France ate more than three of them a day. That's a lot, isn't it? These are big, man. Right. And today, it's uh, as of 2017, it's down to about a half a loaf a day. So – Analysts will attribute the drop to multiple factors, including maybe this preference for a lower-carb diet or uh, concerns about gluten consumption, while some bakers say it's because the bread just doesn't taste as good as it did back in the, you know, the good old days of the pre-revolutionary France. Yeah, in that Daily Mail article, there's another quote from a Parisian artist named Anthony Stephenson who talks about – being pretty bummed out that because of the scarcity of high-quality bread, he's now having to buy uh, what he refers to as, quote, those strange half-cooked mini baguettes from my local supermarket and putting them in the oven. So (laughs) that is not cool uh, for Mr. Stephenson. And I actually found an article in the New York Times. The headline is, A Baker's Crusade Rescuing the Famed French Boulangerie. Because of this decrease in bread consumption, there is a sense that that culture, that history of artisanal baking is being lost. So uh, a man by the name of Pascal Rigio, a French businessman, has decided to try to save the uh, fledgling um, French, authentic French boulangerie by coming up with a model that allows scaling of these businesses while also using higher quality ingredients. And in order to do that, he is going to shrink each store, making it where you only have to have one person to run it, and buying ingredients centrally um, that allows the shops to enhance the quality um, and also increase bargaining power, and it limits the number of products sold. So you might have a store that only sells baguettes as opposed to a diversified like bakery where you have all kinds of other pastries. So this isn't a big warehouse plan. This sounds like a community of what would be smaller stores that are in keeping with French tradition. This could 
help trigger a resurgence, right? Because we saw the numbers of these traditional bakeries dropping over the past few decades. That's right. Looks like in 2015, there were 28,000 of these authentic bakeries, and that's down from 37,800 just 20 years earlier. And that is from a 2014 report on bread in France from Euromonitor by Alexander Gorenson. And on this note, we will end our exploration of bread, war, and revolution in France. However, if you feel like the story should continue, we would like to cordially invite you to France's annual Bread Festival, usually held in May. This gives you enough time, hopefully, to schedule your plans and, of course, We want pictures if you happen to go to the Bread Festival. And let us know if you have lived in France or, like Casey, spent a great deal of time there. We'd like to hear what your favorite bakeries are. We'd like to hear your impressions of uh, where bakers stand in French society today. I'm very interested in that because over just the course of this episode, we saw bakers uh, being unfairly characterized as villains, and then as models of the working class, as masters of their craft. So what are they today in 2017? You can write to us at ridiculous at howstuffworks.com. You can drop us a note on Facebook. We're Ridiculous History there, too. I think we have a, uh, a Twitter now. You can tweet at us, at Ridiculous History, or um, you can check out our Instagram page, which is also Ridiculous History. And of course, most importantly, let us know if you have suggestions for an episode we should cover in the future. So please join us for more gaffes and laughs on the next episode of Ridiculous History. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. This episode is brought to you by Discover. You know, in today's world, it seems the best treatment is reserved only for a few. Well, Discover wants to change that by making everyone feel special. That's why with your Discover card, you have access to 24-7 live customer service, as well as $0 fraud liability, which means you're never held responsible for unauthorized purchases. Finally, no matter who you are or where you are in life, you'll feel special with Discover. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.